Iran. Who do we send? Well, that's where we're in position. Bravo team offloads here. Alpha team stays on board to land downrange. This is capture or kill. Ya son más de 10 años metiéndole y todavía sueno como nuevo. Baby no tiene relevo, me sobra el dinero, el respeto y los huevos. Yo, cada movimiento que hago es luego otro nivel lo elevo. Tú sonaste, te pagaste y no lleva ni la mitad. We're shifting, watch the containers. How the hell did Iran get their hands on this? It's either Russia or us. Mexican Special Forces, 141, they are your brothers now. Where I lay my head is Weapons hard, vaqueros. Pre-order now and get early access to the open beta. VA's Office of Connected Care is working to bridge the digital divide so that all veterans can access VA care no matter where they are. VA understands that not all veterans have access to the internet or to internet-connected devices. The gap between those who do and those who do not is known as the digital divide. VA's Digital Divide Consult connects these veterans with programs and resources that provide the internet service or technology needed for VA telehealth visits. A veteran's care team can refer the veteran to a social worker who will assist them. To get started, visit the Bridging the Digital Divide webpage at telehealth.va.gov slash digital divide. Hi, my name is Travis with Oscar Mike Radio. Today is a special day in September as I'm here at Fall River at the Corky Row Club where the Veterans Kitchen does Wednesday lunches for veterans. And I got to meet not one, not two, but five World War II veterans, guys from the Veterans Brotherhood MC. We'll talk to one of them later. And Andy Biggio, author, Marine Corps veteran, and law enforcement officer who wrote the rifle. So we're going to get this started. It's going to be exciting. Uh, it's like Christmas. Here we go. All right, you can't see me, but you can hear me. Kind of like with caster number 305, I'm out of the frame because this is all about the World War II veteran. And I'm with World War II veteran George Amaral from Fall River. George, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Awesome, awesome. It's great to meet you here today at Fall River. 
Did you grow up in Fall River? Yes, I did. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, I spent 10 years in the Corky Row area. And this is, this is like Irish area, right? Right. It's been 80 years since I've been here. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> 80 years since you came back to this area. To Corky Road, correct. Oh, wow. So you've, you've had a full life between then. So you grew up in Fall River. What was that like back then? Yeah, it was, uh, nobody locked doors. It was, uh, everything was one big family. Oh, really? To my knowledge, right, right. Everybody knew everybody, yeah. And uh, it was a great place to be brought up in. Awesome. Um, so you're growing up, did you complete high school or, or anything like that? Sadly, I did. My dad owned a contracting business and I wanted to get into it. So at 16, I quit and went in with him. So you're working for your dad. That must have been fun. Yes. Did you, were you drafted for World War II or did you join? Yeah, I was drafted, right? Interestingly enough, I went to, uh, to Boston for a physical and they turned me down. One AL. I went to the, to the draft board the next day and I says, how come? They says, well, your glasses. I says, well, all my buddies went. He says, you want to go? I says, yeah. Three weeks later, I was sworn in. <laughs> what did your parents think when you got drafted? Yeah, they weren't too happy. Yeah, I was the only son with six daughters. Yeah. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. What was it like growing up with six sisters? Yeah, well, it's a good thing where we lived, there was a lot of trees. <laughs> so so you get drafted yeah. and you've known fall river all your life yeah where did they send you to boot camp where did you serve i was in uh fort belvoir virginia that's the home of the engineers okay that's where i took basic and uh advanced training fort lewis in washington so you went a far away from home yes what happened after you got your engineering training? Was that what? After you got your advanced training, what yeah. happened? Yeah, uh, on, a, on a, a troop ship overseas right away. Did you serve in the Pacific or the Atlantic? I Atlantic? served in both. Oh, okay. Yeah, I left, I went to La Havre, France. War ended, I was in Germany. Shipped me down to Marseille and down to the Pacific in uh, Manila. Now, did you serve around or with uh, Eisenhower or General Patton? Yeah, well, in Europe, we were, we were loose also, the engineers. Okay. Uh, so we were attached to the Third Army. And in the Pacific, we were attached to this, the Eighth Army, right? So were you doing, in the Pacific, were you doing like island clearing for the Japanese or were, what were you? Yeah, well, it was the tail end of the war when we were in uh, Manila, when the atomic bomb was dropped. Uh, our outfit was uh, attached to the 5th Cavalry. Uh, we were ready to uh, board ships for the invasion of Japan. That's when the atomic bomb dropped, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, we continued on to Japan. Where, uh, I think we were in Japan uh, before the armistice was signed, really, that fast. Yeah, so we were army of occupation in Japan. What was it like going from France and Germany to the Philippines and Japan? Well, we weren't happy, that's for sure. Yeah, we thought we were going to, uh, uh, to the States and a couple of days out of New York, we turned south and we knew we were heading for the canal. Yeah. So you're, you're almost home in New York and they turn you around. That's right. Yeah. So we went, I think it took about 30 days from Marseille, France to Manila. Wow. Yeah. Simply it was a troop ship. There was 5,000 aboard. Uh, we ate once a day. <laughs> because there were so many, you know. 
So you just imagine a mess kit uh, with, uh, say, uh, a, a corned beef and cabbage, and, and uh, they threw in a bunch of uh, uh, veggies, and, uh, and how about some uh, uh, fruits, everything mixed up. And that was it once a day. You had a meal ticket. If you didn't have your ticket, you don't get served. Yeah. Yeah. 5,000 people on 5,000 board one ship. The Admiral, Admiral Hughes. Yeah. It was a form of luxury ship they turned into a transport. Right. That, that must have been something else. Did, were, were you close to any of the big fighting around, you know, Paris or? No, no. Uh, our job and as the engineers, we uh, we used to build bridges, yeah, blow them up, clear minefields. Oh wow! And stuff like that, you know. All right. Uh, if infantry ever hit a stumbling block uh, to a minefield, potentially or a river, they had to cross. That's when marines would come in. Yeah. As far as Physical fighting, uh, most of the time we stacked arms, you know, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. So you're doing all this, what was it like when the, when the war was over? What was it, yeah, because if if you were in Japan when the armistice was signed, you were right there when the war ended. Yeah, I was there uh, in Japan uh, for about five months. Oh, wow. And. Uh, what we used to do, we used to take uh, the Japanese and, and bring them to bombed out cities. As a matter of fact, uh, I was in Hiroshima quite a bit, you know, bringing uh, Japs in to clear up and stuff like that. So were you in Hiroshima after the bomb was dropped? What was, what was that like? Well, I just got through with Europe and I was in cities that were bombed for months and months and months and months, down to nothing. And it, it was amazing to see Hiroshima with one bomb. It, it was equivalent to what I saw in Europe that was been bombed for a year. Right. Because in Europe, if, if, if I understand correctly, they, they sent the B-17s and just kept bombing. Yeah, yeah, day after day after day. In Hiroshima, there was a... Uh, one bomb. I couldn't believe it. Wow. The devastation. Right? Unbelievable. Yeah. It saved a lot of lives. You, you think it saved a lot of lives? Of Americans I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Japanese were really dug in. They, they weren't... They were die hard. They were ready. They did the emperor. It told them all, you know, man, women, and child, you know, use forks, uh, pitchforks, use anything you can to stop these men come coming in you know but when we come in there they were gentle like lambs had no problems you you do all this what was it like coming home after the war <laughs> after the war well it was pleasant to be home but uh, uh there was no welcome or anything you know it was almost like when the vietnam guys came back you know Really? And that was in May of 46, you know. So I just, next, the week after, I was back to work. And simple as that. Yeah. So, so you, no acknowledgement or nothing. You literally got off the ship and your dad said, hey, it's back to work. Right. No time off, no vacation. No, no. I just had a couple of days to go shopping for city clothes and that was it. Today, you know, we are in, you know, the, the Corky Row Club and, you know, the, the mayor and several people came down to honor you all. What did that mean to you to see all yeah. this? Yeah, that was important, you know. Yeah. It, it showed to me that somebody uh, with authority, they cared for us, you know. Yeah. There's got... not many left. Uh, the war ended, there was 12 million vets. Today, I think there's 600,000 left, and we're losing uh, about 600 a day. So, you know, it meant a lot to me. We're going to have David Danforth on from the Veterans Brotherhood MC, who kind of helped put this together. 
it's really great to see you all interact with right. us younger guys. Right. You know, we, we look up to you all because of the yeah. example you set. Yeah. Yeah, there's good camaraderie with uh, us, uh, with Korean vets, with uh, Vietnam. Vietnam, I, I'm very close to a bunch of guys in Vietnam. I belong to the Legion, you know, and uh, I used to go to the Vietnam meetings in Westport and stuff, you know. Uh, a, a lot of camaraderie, you know, awesome. which is nice. Awesome, awesome. Which is nice. Well, I'm with George Amaral, Army veteran from World War II on Oscar Mike Radio. Um, I've got some other guests coming up next, but I just want to thank you, Mr. Amaral, for your time today and the service you did to our country. You're an example. Thank you, sir. My pleasure, my friend. All right. We're going to get somebody on next, but uh, thank you. Okay, and we're back. Uh, again, I am not in the frame. I really, uh, for this show and like I did with Castor, um, Manny, Manny was won me in his show, but that's fine. But uh, getting to talk with these veterans, the next one to talk with me is Edmund Nibbs, Fall River uh, resident and native. Edmund, welcome. How are you doing? Good to know you. Absolutely. You can call me Eddie if you want. You call you Eddie? Yeah, you can. Yeah. All right, folks, I'm going to call him Eddie. Eddie's here with me today. We're at the Corky Row Club in Fall River. Now, like, you, you lived in Fall River all your life. Yes, I do. So... You were you drafted or did you? No, no. I, okay, so so tell me about that. Did you were you did you join the army out of high school or before you got out of high school? No, I was working in the Bourne Mills up in Tiverton, and uh, I decided to go in the army. Okay. And uh, I I talked to my stepmother about it, and she went and see my father. My father called me into the living room and he says, "You want to go in the army?" And I said, "Yeah." He says, well, "You're going to go." Because I I served my country. You're obligated to serve yours, and that's how I went in the army. So your dad, you know, yeah, he he, he he approved of me going in the army. Awesome, awesome. And what year did you join the army? I joined in 1946. Okay. I was sworn in in Fort Banks, Boston. Okay. And from Fort Banks, we were shipped to Fort Dix in New Jersey. Okay. What did what was your job in the army? I was infantry, and when I went overseas, they put me in ordnance. Okay. Ordnance, I became an ordnance clerk, which I knew nothing about. But when you're army, you do what you're told. <laughs> you know? So, so you, you go and you, you, you learn how to, you know, be an infantry guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, cover, concealment, fire in the M1, and they tell oh, you yeah. you're, you're going to... The first weapon I ever owned was the 1-1, the M1, then it was a carbine. Right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, now, when you say ordnance, were you doing like artillery rounds or bombs or both? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had to go. I, I loved the Army. Okay. I got out of the Army because my folks needed me at home. Okay. And uh, when I got home, my job was working back in the mills again, the old Border City Mills in North End of Fall River. Okay. From there, I went on other jobs. Okay. When I joined the Army, I was living in Tiverton. And then when I came home from the Army, I lived in Swansea. My father had bought, bought a place in Swansea. Okay. So I was raised in Fall River, Tiverton, and Swansea. All right. When I came home from the army, like I said, that my job was back in the cotton mills. <laughs> so they had cotton mills up here. Oh yeah, they had a lot of cotton mills at the time over here. So some were burnt down before I even was born, but I, I think they had about 116 cotton mills in this city at one time. So they shipped cotton from other parts of the world. Cotton yard. Then after that. They changed the sweatshops. Okay. A, a lot of ladies worked in the sweatshops, sewing machines and stuff like that, you know, making shirts. And my stepmother worked in a place called Snyderson's. Okay. And she she made army hats, the dress hats for the for the army. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know the the, the yeah the pointed yeah. Yeah yeah okay yeah, all that's right. That's what my mom did. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, oh yeah. Did you my like? Father, my father ran ran cards in the Sagamore Mills. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, my dad worked 30 years in his mill, and I worked 30 years in my job. I'm good. Um, I love the army. You love the army. If I didn't have any folks, I would have stood there. Oh yeah. Yeah. My brother, the Korean War vet, he joined the army. Okay. He spent uh, Korea and in Japan. He t he took his basically 82nd Airborne, Fort Bragg. Okay. 
when he went from Korea, he went to Japan. He was three years in Japan. He wanted to join the army again, but uh, they wanted him. He was a cook. They wanted him to be a cook back in Fort Bragg. And he says, no, no, I said, I don't want to go back to Barack. He says, if you let me stay in Japan, I'll, I'll join over again, you know. They even promised him more stripes. But uh, he says, no, I don't want to go back to Barack. <laughs> I don't know what he had against Barack, but he didn't want to go back to Barack, you know. So didn't want to go back to Barack. After six years, he got out of the army. Didn't want to be a cook. Well, he loved being a cook. The idea is he didn't want to go to Barack. He wanted to stay in Japan. Oh, well, I don't blame him. I don't yeah. blame him. Well, he had, a, he had a friend in Japan, you know, so. So you joined in 1946. Yeah, right. Right as the right war. Right around the holidays, Christmas time. Okay, so the war was winding down then. Yeah. We, we were supposed to go to Germany. Oh, really? But uh, we were rerouted to Panama. Okay. Half the ship got off on the Atlantic side. The other half got off on the Pacific side. I got off on the Pacific side. Now, why did they send you all to Panama? I have no idea. I know we were. The rumors were we were going to go to Germany. Okay. They're still having problems in Germany, so they they wanted to, we were supposed to go to Germany. But all of a sudden, Panama. <laughs> it's just a well, it was just a very different time back then because yeah, they yeah. had just dropped the bomb in Japan. I, the only uh, I never saw any battle. Okay. But uh, we got at the canal, got duty in the canal, the PX. The first time I ever saw a guana lizard was when I was in Panama. See. My camp, my barracks, we had no windows. It was all screened. And uh, one time I woke up and I see this thing crawling up the screens, you know. So I, I said, what the hell is that, you know. So uh, my sergeant told me, he said, Eddie, don't worry about it. And then he said, soldier, don't worry about it, you know. He said, it's an iguana lizard. They, they can't come in here because it was all screened. It was, it was warm. We had two seasons, wet and dry, but always warm, you know. But a complete difference from Fall River, where it's kind of like <laughs> yeah. no very cotton mills in Panama. <laughs> no cotton mills. No, and no cotton mills in Panama. Big, huge bugs yeah. and oh, all yeah. that snakes yeah. in, in uh, Panama. Right. That was my job. My first mill job, like I told you, was at Bourne Mills up in Tiverton on Shrewsbury. Yeah. And then I went in the army. When I came out of the army, I was back in the mills down in North End, the border cities. So, like George was talking about, he got out of the army. And pretty much the next week he was back to work. Was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, needed money. Needed money, and I helped my folks, you know. I never got married. I, 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 I took care of my folks until the day they died. I never got married. Gosh. So uh, I, I spent a lot of time with my niece now. She's my caretaker. Okay. But I still have my own apartment, you know, but my niece takes care of me. And, and uh, because how old I'm, are you I'm, now? I'm, I'm, I'm losing my eyesight and I got hearing aids. Okay. You talk to me, you're going to scream. So, <laughs> how how old are you now? How old are you? I'm uh, 94 years old. Get out. Yeah, I'm 94. Yeah, 94. God has been good to me. Well, I hope I hope he's half as good to me as he was yeah, to you. No, he's been very good to me, God. I have nothing to say about him. Awesome, awesome. Well, it, it was just great coming down here today. You know, David Danforth from the Veterans Brotherhood MC said, "Hey, you know." take a day off work, get down here, let's see this. I'm like, I'm, I'm in. Well, they, when, when I took the day off from work, we worked in the land. And when I lived in Tivit in the Swansea, my father had a lot of land, you know? Right. And he did his own planting, raised rabbits, and uh, we he, we planted. But we had our duty, we had to work in the garden. So uh, I, I went to the show, I went to the old plaza for 10 cents a piece. The old plaza, it's knocked down now, but the old plaza show is where I saw a lot of westerns, you know? Nice. Like Tom Nix, Buck Jones. But I had a good life. I used to, uh, when I was stationed in uh, Fort Dix, uh, I come home on a, on, on a train and landed into Providence. My folks were always there to meet me, you know, but he never, he never drove it. My dad never owned a car, but next door neighbor used to carry him up there to pick me up, you know? Yeah. But every time I left, I, I got in, I hugged and kissed my dad. And when I left, I hugged and kissed my dad. When I left, we were going back to camp. This gentleman came up to me, he says, is that your dad? I says, yeah. He says, first, last time I ever saw a son kiss his father. I had a good father. He was a hard worker, but I loved my father and I miss him a lot. Well, it, your father had a... Uh, an effect on you to tell you to join and serve oh, your yeah. country yeah, yeah. like he did now did he serve in world war one my dad my dad was a prisoner of war world war one my father was in the portuguese army okay oh wow 
The Portuguese army was in the First World War but at the United States. Right. My father was already a prisoner when we went into the First World War. And he, he got captured bayonet fighting. See, my father handled the heavy machine guns and came to a point where they had to use a bayonet, you know. Right. He got stabbed in the, in the back. So he was dying on the field, but who saved my dad was a German doctor. And the doctor, and he ended up in the prison camp. But the, he worked in the farms, you know, like in the Holland, whatever, wherever the prison camps were. But my dad, when, when the United States went into the First World War, my dad was already a prisoner. Yeah, he was a, but so he sir, was, service he was a good man. My dad, I miss my dad a lot. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On you. Well, it's just been great coming down here and getting to talk with you all and see you sign the rifle from Andy Biggio and see yeah. you and the Veterans Brotherhood sit together and yeah. enjoy a meal. And it's just fuel for my soul. It's really been great getting to talk with you. Um, yeah. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, well, I'm a, the idea, the Army don't owe me a thing. I own the Army a lot. I, oh. I get a lot of help from the vets. I never expected to get the help I get. But they've been very good to me, and I'm grateful. I am grateful. Well, I'm grateful for what you did. And oh, yeah, I'm very, very grateful. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And I have a niece. She scolds me a lot of times. And when she <laughs> wants to talk to me, she has to holler. But I, I keep my mouth shut. Sometimes I tell her where to go. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you don't tell them where to go, you're going to be a dummy. <laughs> exactly. They yeah. just keep doing it. But a lot of guys, uh, they used to ask me, what, uh, you send anything home? I said, yeah. I used to send my father $40 every month. We ain't made, when I went to the army, we got $90 a month. And you rather spend so much money on, on your medical, on, on your toiletries and stuff like that for the month, you know? Right. And they took $40 out of my pay to send to my father, see? And every month my dad got, got 40 bucks. He paid his mortgage in Swansea on that 40 bucks because at that time you could take a loan of $10,000 or $12,000 to buy a house in them days, you know? So. I took out, when I came home, I took out a GI Bill, and my dad extended more on a cottage, you know, with, right. because of a GI Bill, the old Fisk Federal Bank. Yeah, it's, long, it's been a long time, but I've had a good life. Hard, 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 hard work in life, but it's a good life, and I had good parents. I was raised by my stepmother, which I loved very much. Awesome. But uh, she, she raised us, and she, she worked very hard. What? That's the kind of life I had. It's been, it's, it hasn't been a great life, but it's been a good life. Well, it, it's been great. It's been it's great been for me. It's been a good life, my friend. Good life. To, to, yeah. to meet you and talk with you, and yeah. uh, thank you so yeah. much. Yeah. You know, the Army, to me, the Army don't owe me anything. I owe the Army a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you. We're going to get somebody else in here. And, right, thank you. Uh, I'm I glad thank you. you, my friend. I thank you for talking to me. No problem at all. We'll talk okay. again soon. All right, uh, we're moving right through this time here at Corky Row in Fall River. And when you think the Veterans Kitchen, you kind of wonder, what is that? And I have the two people from the Veterans Kitchen here in Fall River. Would you all please introduce yourselves? We'll start with the ladies first, Dawn. My name is Dawn Trahan. I'm the director of the Fall River Wabak Council Veterans Kitchen. Hi, and I'm Andy Dado. I'm also a volunteer who will help out. Kind of like jack of all, whatever. Now, are you a veteran, Andy? Yes, I am. And what'd you serve? Served in the Air Force. What'd you do in the Air Force? Uh, a lot of things. I was in, uh, when I went into service, I originally went into supply and also worked the flight line in the service. Was all two, tour, two terms, two tours uh, overseas. Nice, nice. So I, I get it a call from David Danforth with the Veterans Brotherhood Motorcycle Club. And he's like, hey, are you doing anything today? I'm like, well, yeah, I'm always doing something, but what do you got? He's like, we're having a special event at the Veterans Kitchen in Fall River. You gotta come down and you know learn all about the World War II veterans and what you all do. And I started looking on Facebook and other things about what you all do. And it seems like for a, a long time, you all make lunch on Wednesday for local veterans in the Fall River area. How did all this get going? Oh God. Um, well, we'll start with 2019. Well, no, we got to go back to Pine Street. Well, actually, we originally, well, I've been doing it longer than she has. Um, the Veterans Association of Bristol County is on Pine Street Fall River. 
worked as a volunteer. And as I started out in that particular time, because I was like semi-retired at the time, I'm still semi-retired. Started helping out, you know, like whatever, uh, serving meals, clean up, uh, helping out with the food. What food would come in, we'd unload the trucks, put the food away. Uh, people donate clothes, we get the clothes, we put them in order, sort the clothes. Then around holiday time, we would decorate, do, you know, do a tree. Uh, we give out turkeys and uh, ham during the holiday season, seasons. And uh, that's what we did from year in and year out. Then, of course, as time went on, things, you know, things kind of change. Um, we felt that it was time to kind of break away a little bit and uh, kind of go on our own. So um, we came here in 2019, and we were shown the Corky Road. I think we had talked a little bit about it earlier today. And with $60 in our pocket, that's basically what we had. We had nothing. $60. So we came in, and it was the the wrecking crew. The, the the Irish mob was sitting at the at the count at the uh, at the bar. Okay. Uh, at the time, the VCO was Ray Hay. He was the uh, veteran service officer at the time, who asked us to come over. There's a hall here. There's bathrooms. There was a small kitchen. No okay? pots and pans. There wasn't any pots and pans. There was nothing. We started from nothing, so that was the beginning of the veterans' kitchen. So we said, we can, we can try to make a go of it. And we post some things on Facebook. We got a little bit of things together. People get, did some donations. We got a little bit here, a little bit there. And then first thing you know, we got, we got the ball rolling. Our first Christmas, we had a wonderful Christmas. We must have had, I don't know how many. We've had a full, it was a full house. Everybody showed up. I mean, I mean there must have been 100 people, almost 100 people. Okay, at least that many. And of course, unfortunately, by uh, I want to say March of 2020, COVID hit. So that did put a little damper in our plans and most people's plans at the time. So we did have to close down for a little while. We came back, I believe, in June or July of that year of 2020 for takeout only. We could still make meals. And it was, it was posted that if you want a meal, you still come by and we can give you a meal. So we used to get like 65, 70 people, at least on an average, 70, 70, come by and, and pick up at the, at the door, <coughs> excuse me, at the door and um, pick up the meals. So we did that for a little while. Then as time went on, the numbers got a little better. Then we could bring in a few people in. They could sit down, have a meal and still do takeout also. So that was the, the, the mission. And then what we did for a while as time went on, got, things got better. We said, well, listen, maybe we can do this more than one day. Let's try Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Monday would be kind of like a movie day, make some popcorn, have some snacks, some drinks, and show a movie. So we used to have some people come in. We have like even hot dogs sometimes. Wednesday was the regular meal, and Friday was uh, either cornhole or ping pong day. And that's what we did. So they would come in and come play some games and want to play cards or whatever. So we did that for a little bit. And then we said, okay, you know, so that way people can like, you know, enjoy their time in because they, there was no place to go. Everything was shut down. There wasn't too many places for the veterans to go. So that's what we, we were offering at the time. Then, as, then after the holidays, we went back to one day a week. Okay, we just went back to the one bills. day. You know, it was just a matter of economics, you might say. So, but we did good. We did fine. We had the one meal a week, and that's where we've been at, at this point in time. So, so t today is about World War II veterans. And were you all surprised to see this many World War II veterans in Fall River? No. And we knew they were there. Um, I got a call one time um, asking how come we don't do more for our World War II veterans? Because, you know, we have Manny Cavallo. Manny, you know, is always with us. We try to make sure he doesn't miss out on anything that we think, you know, he would like to do. And I said, well, where are they? I said, we can't help our World War II veterans if we don't know where they are. So when um, Dave, uh, Dave Danforth from Veterans Brotherhood, he sent me some pictures of, you know, 
with yourself, Travis, um, interviewing Manny and um, with Manny with uh, Andy Biggs and stuff with the rifle, I said, oh, we need to bring that here. And I said, you know, find out what, you know, works for yourself and Andy and let's try to get our World War II veterans together because this is, this is going to be the first and only time that the kitchen's going to be able to do this because they're getting fragile, they're getting older, um, and they're not going to, you know, there's not too many left. So let's try to get them all together and, you know, put on a nice event for them. Well, it certainly was a great event. Um, I, I was just really taken with the fact that, you know, you had the, the Veterans Brotherhood here, you had Annie Biggio show up, you had Vietnam and other veterans show up, and then the town. Uh, I, I mean, you know, you had the, the sheriff, the council people, the, the mayor show up. It, it seems like, you know, and I know about the Wall and Fall River and the Marine Corps Memorial, what is it about Fall River where they really want to support those who've served? Well, well, I know that for one thing, the uh, Fall River has always been pretty well noted to take care of the veterans. And I think that goes back to even to my father's time. My father was a World War II veteran. And he used to take me as a child just to go to the parades. Mm, the parades. We had parades and everybody showed up, whether it was Memorial Day or Veterans Day. It was three or four lines deep. On, uh, on on the sidewalks, it was great. But but of course, as time went on, there were lesser and lesser people. So we had to kind of reinvent ourselves to see what we could do for veterans. Okay, and I understand. You know, when you look at veterans, everybody said, "Well, you know, American Legion, uh, VFW, uh, AM vets, uh, Vietnam vets, World War II, You know, you know the VFWs, but the old God." were dying off. And I knew them myself personally as time went on. I'm, <clears throat> I'm kind of like in the middle here. I'm 74 years old. So I knew what it was back in the 60s and 70s and 80s who were, who were doing, picking up the mantle and doing the work for veterans. But as time went on, a lot of them died off. They, died, they were dying off. That, age, that greatest generation was dying. There's no question. This is why it's so important today for World War II veterans to be honored. There's not a lot left. Just like World War I, World War I vets are gone. Now it's World War II. <laughs> Was ever out there, again, the youngest one is probably 94, 95 years old. So there's not that many years left of those. Then the next generation is Korea. Can Korea to Vietnam. So, uh, you know what I'm saying? So I feel that this, this Fall River is, is, is steps up all the time. This is the greatest thing that we have. We have the, the Iwo Jima Monument, we got the Vietnam Wall Monument, and every every area part of the city has monuments, okay? Whether it's World War II, whether it's uh, uh, Gulf War, or whatever. I think we've done a pretty a pretty good job of showing what we've done for veterans and honored them. Well, certainly, you know, from the outside coming in today, seeing, you know, the, the, the work you all have done. I mean, I came in and Don's like, hey, Travis. I'm like, I, I don't know this lady, but okay. I, I, I felt right at home. I, I could see that, that you all really wanted to make not just the World War II veterans, but anybody who came through the door today feel like they're at home and they're part of something that is really, you know, meaningful here because, you know, like, like David was saying, these guys are the Ted Williams to me. I mean, I've read about them, watched them, played video games about them. And so to see all the work you put in today it was really amazing. Um, before we kind of, you know, moved on to the next next victims, <laughs> what's next for you all here at Veterans Kitchen? Well, we have um, POW MIA Day that we're, we're doing um, next Friday. That'll be at City Hall, so we'll be preparing meals for that. Um, I don't know. It's we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. And we're going into holiday season, so that's Holiday season big. That's big, you know. So to close this down, last question. How can people help you in your mission and what you all do? Um, the best way is we do take donations. Um, we take cash check donations. We gift cards. Um, people can um, 
come to the door on a Wednesday, uh, drop off diet soda. We're uh, very big on, you know, diet soda because a lot of our veterans are diabetic. So we try to, you know, not sugar them up too much. Um, meats, you know, we uh, can't feed them if we don't have anything to cook. So chicken, uh, ham, Hamburg is a big thing here, you know. Yeah, you have a Facebook page, right? I do have a, we have a Facebook page. It's called The Veterans Kitchen. Okay, I'll have that link in the in the show post because I, I would assume if, if you can't get to Fall River and want to help out, that's how you do it. Yeah, and they can message the um, the Facebook page as well and okay. I'll respond. Great, great. Well, I'm, I'm with you all. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, I've known you all my life. I want to thank you for your, your time today and all the work you did to make this event special. And uh, I can't wait to see you again. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. So I'm with the Veterans Kitchen, this crew here. We're going to move on to uh, another group of guests now on this very special day. Thank you. You get married, you enjoy riding together, and you enjoy that aspect of your life. And then you find Veterans Brotherhood MC. What caused you, Kelly, to kind of say, you know what, this is some really cool stuff. I'm going to, like a better term, come along for the ride. Well, with the, the job I do, I'm, I work almost every Saturday. So for him to sit at home and do nothing, it didn't make any sense. So when, when he found the Veterans Brotherhood and, you know, it just took off from there. He, it, and in the meantime, it went hand in hand with helping vets, which is what he ultimately loves to do. So, um, you know, when, when that evolved, it just followed suit with a great group of women that, you know, the significant others of the members. And um, I said, this is a group of people I, I'd like to be around as well. And I enjoy helping vets. I come from a family of um, veterans. My grandfather was a World War II vet. And um, so it just, it all made sense. And, and, you know, a wife should support her husband and what he loves. Speaking of, of military service, David, why don't you tell us what you did in the military? Uh, 62 Bravo, heavy construction equipment repair. I was with the 379th Combat Engineers down the Cape. Now, you National Guard or full Army? National Guard. National Guard, okay. So, you know, you, you build stuff and blow stuff up. Yes. Was, was it fun? Did yes. You have, did you have a good time in the Army? Yes. <laughs> well, it, it's just... The reason I ask is a lot of National Guardsmen and Air National Guard get get a different rap. They have a different experience because, all, you know, they're supposed to serve the state they're in. But a lot of you deployed overseas to Kosovo, Sarajevo, um, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Did you go overseas at all? I didn't. Um, the unit I originally was supposed to go to went overseas, and that was the 181. And then when I left the reserves to go to the guard, it became the 379th. And when I got out, they went back over a second time. Are you are you still in the National Guard? Or are you fully no. out now? Okay, fully out now. So you, you got out. And, you know, we got connected through VMC, Veterans Brotherhood MC, through World War II veterans. Like I'm literally sitting there and, you know, I'm, I'm polishing my motorcycle and I get a message from you saying, hey, have you ever talked to World War II veterans? And I go, no. And you're like, well, I've got a couple for you. And you weren't kidding. So my question is, David, where, how did you get connected with these veterans who, in your words, are kind of like, you know, the Ted Williams of our community? Um, at the vet kitchen, um, we volunteer here and there. Um, we were asked once if we would help Manny Cavallo, a World War II vet, move. So um, me and about five or six of the guys helped him move from one spot to the other. And I don't know, Manny's just a wicked good guy, um, great to be around. You never know what to expect from him. Um, very witty for a 98-year-old man. And we just, we've got, got a friendship from there. And after talking to Manny, it's like anytime I see a World War II vet, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I have to go up and start talking to him. Well, 
I can tell you, uh, and I wanted to tell you when we talked today, that you know, getting to talk with these veterans is, has been an honor. Like, I've been doing Oscar Mike Radio for over six years now, and, like, like this is – nothing can top this. Uh, I'm sure there – I can try to find things, but getting to talk with these guys today, like we did here at Corky Row, talking to Manny, talking to Castor, have just made – all the, the the past shows worth it and you know you got to talk to them where does that come from you know you know why why the drive to talk to them and, and get to know them because there's not many of them left yeah you know and they deserve to get as much attention as possible you know we actually enjoy taking them out like um, we picked up George today and Manny and brought them here and it's great hanging out with them. I mean, they have stories, you know, you you can read it in a book or you can watch a movie, but they have the real deal stories, you know, behind the scenes. Kelly, as a wife, you're you're there today. We're, we're in the main hall, the Corky Row Club, and yes. the food is being served, and you're watching David and the rest of the Veteran Brotherhood interact with these guys. What's going through your mind as you're watching this happen? Um, you know, because he's like a kid. You know? Oh, yes. Yeah? <laughs> he, I'm very proud of him. He, he's not the type to just put himself out there, and he's done that and more in regards to um, the veterans. Um, it's just it, when he's happy, I'm happy. So it's, it's an honor to be in the, in the presence and company of, of these great men. It's been a great day, David. You know, I got to tell you, you know, came down here not really knowing what to expect. And then the, the main event, as I'll call it, comes to the door. And I'm like, these guys are just, you know, you, you, you read about them, right? We, 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 yes. We've played video games based on their service. You know, I've watched movies, read books. But to sit there and hear their stories about Patton and going to France and being on a ship with 5,000 other men eating one meal a day, what's, what's going through your mind right now? Just amazement. Yeah. You know, what these guys went through and what they did. Um, and they, they never look back at it. I mean, like both um, George and uh, Eddie said, you know, as soon as they got back, I got two days to get some new civvies and it was right back to work. You know, there wasn't no vacation after being over there. They went right back to work. That was just their, their mentality. I mean, they're the greatest generation for a reason. So just to kind of, you know, bring this to full circle, the Veterans Brotherhood does a lot of things, and this is just one thing they do. But, you know, for that veteran looking to, you know, get with a group, what is it about your club that, that sets it apart from other organizations like the VFW or AMVETS? Or, I know you work with everybody, but what makes you all unique? Um, I think it's the fact of uh, riding motorcycles. I think it brings you closer. Um, you know, you're out hanging around, whether you go to a run or not, and you help support vets, you know, you support them in any way you can. Well, it was obvious today when I walked in, when I saw, you know, your crew, I saw the people, you know, helping the World War II veterans out, the other veterans, Korean War, Vietnam, and, you know, our era, that there was a lot of support for the Veterans Kitchen, what they do here and what you all do, you know, I guess my last question is, is how do we take that out to a wider, wider audience and let people know what we're all doing and how to help? That's a good question. The one statistic that I, um, I saw a long time ago, and I think is a pathetic statistic is over 50% of our homeless are veterans. So for you to go over and serve your country and come back and be homeless is absolutely disturbing to me that fifth, over 50% of our heroes are sleeping on the ground outside. Shouldn't be. Well, I think today gives me hope that there, there's a group of people at you know the, the Fall River leadership down to a guy like me coming and just watching it and observing that that's not going to be allowed in this part of the country. So I want to thank you all for your time with me just now and you know what you all did to make this event happen today it was really special for me and you know 
Kelly, you know, for the wives out there, last question for you. Sure. A lot of wives get, you know, they're, they're kind of apprehensive sometimes to roll with us military guys or right. they won't be accepted. But you've kind of, you know, made your way here. What do you, what do you, what's, what's the message for, for them? Just be supportive, support in any way you can. You don't always have to show up, but as long as your spouse or significant other knows that, um, you know, you, you have their back, then uh, just get out there. It's a great, it's a great environment. It's a great cause. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, David, I want to, oh, oh. And, and honestly, um, when your spouse, whether, you know, it's a female vet and her husband didn't serve for so your spouse to be on board helping other veterans it just brings it to a whole nother level well i want to thank you both for sharing it's a cool story to hear it proves to me that maybe love is real that's a different conversation for a different time but it's really cool to see that uh, you know in person and, and and to witness that firsthand and i want to thank you for allowing you know me to come down and observe this today and be a part of it it's been a real special day for me thank you thank you travis thank you all right we i'm travis oscar mike reedy you can't see me that's by design but you can hear me as we say in oscar mike radio we are mission in flight Take care. I want to thank you for joining me and watching Oscar Mike Radio. Now go to OscarMikeRadio.com and click shop to check out all the cool merchandise from Authentically American. All proceeds go to veteran service organizations. We are Mission in Flight.